Welcome to episode 146 of The Digital Life, a show about our adventures in the world of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Greetings, John. Today, Dirk, we're going to discuss the surveillance state in software. In particular, uh, China is, is embarking on some interesting endeavors to use predictive analytics and big data to stop terrorism before it can happen. And the, and the key words there are before it can happen, uh, which might sort of bring to mind the pre-crime unit of uh, Minority Report fame, which is the dystopian Philip K. Dick novel that was made into a movie starring Tom Cruise that everybody uh, likes to cite for various reasons. But pre-crime is the uh, concept that before even the criminal knows that exactly what they're doing, the uh, surveillance state knows and clamps down on them. Uh, in this case, it's the uh, uh, terrorism is sort of the first and foremost um, element that that uh, the Chinese state wants to prevent. And of course, we have, you know, a similar uh, mandate to protect uh, United, United States citizens from terrorism and, and use all this data. But of course, the questions that all of that raises, especially uh, using predictive analytics to do it, are, are interesting indeed. So I'll, I'll set up the news item, which uh, uh, you shared with me yesterday. So China Electronics Technology Group, which is one of their state-run defense contractors, is developing the software, and they're basically going to assemble and analyze data on ordinary citizens, and that's everything from what they're buying, you know, uh, what their employment is, uh, you know, where they go on holiday, things like that, uh, to try to feed this uh, predictive analytics database. Uh, secondly, at the beginning of the year, there were some anti-terror laws in China that allowed the government, uh, so they went into effect at the beginning of the year, and they allowed the government to access a whole slew of, of, of new types of data from everything from bank accounts to even surveillance cameras, and uh, the name of their surveillance camera um, unit is uh, unironically named Skynet for some reason. Thanks very much for that. Um, <clears throat> additionally, you've got your major Chinese tech companies, which more or less comply with government requests for data, everything from their major uh, search engine, uh, Baidu, uh, to their social messaging apps, to their uh, um, e-commerce e sites. All of them uh, supply information. And then lastly, the Chinese government revealed last year that it was building a nationwide database that would rank citizens and score them on their trustworthiness. Boy, I hope I get a good... Well, we, we all, if we were being ranked on trustworthiness, would, would want to get uh, an A grade, wouldn't we? Uh, if the government was ranking us. Uh, so all this is very creepy, and it's perhaps easier to access from this news item, which is uh, focused on China, of course, but we have similar surveillance state creepiness happening uh, in the U.S. So uh, pick your poison, Dirk. Where would you like to start? Yeah, there's lots lots of uh, fodder there. I mean, 
look, as you're sort of alluding, it's it's easy to dismiss this as a China thing, right? Mm-hmm. Totalitarian state, you know, regularly oppresses the the liberties of the citizens. But what's um, what for me? What's compelling about this story is the fact that it's a foreshadowing of things that we're going to be dealing with in the United States, uh, both in ways similar to what are being um, outlined here in a Chinese context, um, but also things you know far far beyond that. I, I believe um, you know we are headed for a future of. Um, we are likely headed for a future where the government is using data to predict future behavior and takes preemptive action um, to to control that behavior. I mean, look, you know, even 30 years ago, we knew very little about the human animal. Um, you know, we 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 would rely on things like, um, you know. Uh, characteristics that have go back to, to classical times that we would bestow upon people. That's a person with character. That's a person with self-control. That's a person with honor. That's a person who's trustworthy. Um, you know, there, there are notions that I think are going to appear increasingly quaint as we know more and more about the human animal. You know, um, I did a lot of research into violent crime a few years ago. It's 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 something that I, I find troubling, and I've I've put some time into um, some problem solving in those areas. But the number one predictor of a person who will commit a violent crime is their gender. Um, you know, there's a specific characteristic. I, I believe it's called major violent crimes, and ninety something percent of the people who commit major violent crimes are men. Now. Um, it, we could easily, you know, um, armchair theorize at what the reason is for that. Um, you know, one candidate would be high testosterone, for example. Um, however, what's going to happen is in the next decade, people will have a much better idea. Science will will tease out a much better idea of what is this strange brew that results in people, um, you know, killing, raping um, doing doing horrible things, and you know the fact is that I'm going to focus on rape and sexual crime. Uh, those are epidemic. I mean, if you look at the statistics, um, I believe it's one out of four women who attend um, a higher education institution are are going to be the either the victim of sexual violence or the victim of attempted sexual violence. One in four. Mm-hmm. Now that's that's a stat that just kind of you know, kind of hovers in, in the background, but that's, that's, to me, that's an epidemic with someone with a young daughter and the idea that, you know, flip two coins and get tails twice and, and she's going to be vulnerable to that. Um, you know, that's, that's not acceptable. And we are as a society finding it increasingly unacceptable to, uh, to perpetrate, um, horrible things on the the disadvantaged. And by disadvantaged, I mean the non-white males, basically. Um, We are becoming increasingly vigilant in protecting uh, women, racial minorities, the disabled. I mean, however you want to look at that. And so I think we're heading for this, um, you know, this this sort of uh, tipping point, if you will, where we are going to have so much knowledge around human motivation and behavior, scientifically, not armchair theory that comes together with are finally saying, you know what? It is not acceptable for one in four women 
to to have to deal with an attempted sexual violence. Um, you know, these these things are going to come together, and I think it's going to result in at least the consideration at, a, at the highest levels and potentially in public forums of prediction and control and, and controlling people from doing those things that once upon a time were, were tolerated. Now they're not tolerated, but they're still not being forcefully addressed. I think we'll forcefully address them. And I think something akin to pre-crime may be part of that. Yeah, that's a disturbing prospect, I think, especially for, uh, is it a for, disturbing prospect? Is it? Sure. I mean, if, if you, uh, sort of, you know, counterbalance what, what you were saying with the idea that, that, uh, people have free will to decide, of course, you know, whether they're going to do people one don't thing have or free will. Yeah. This is a great topic. Then. I mean, as a high school mm. senior, I was first exposed to the debate between hard determinism, soft determinism and free will. And, mm. The idea is to what degree do we ultimately have agency? I'm a hard determinist. I believe that everything we do is a predictable synthesis of the nature and nurture that came before it. And even the weird, goofy things that we do, if we had, um, and I didn't use the computer metaphor in, in 1991, but if we had a brain that was big enough and fast enough and understood all of the context properly, it could predict every single thing. And I, I believe that. I don't I don't believe that there's this ineffable, unpredictable thing that just spews out of us. I think that we're ultimately, you know, it's, it's a synthesis. It's A plus B equals C and we go. Um, so for me, it's not troubling at all. I mean, for me, the, the, the troubling thing is that one in four women going into a higher education are, are going to be victims of at least an attempted sexual assault. That's nuts. That's so Looney Tunes, man. I, I think there are, you know, like everything from cultural to educational to, uh, even trans, you know, levels of transparency and and you know information that make those circumstances, you know, could change those uh, circumstances. So if you know the statistic is one in four now, is that because it's you know tolerated by certain cultures, even celebrated? Is it because there isn't uh, you know widespread knowledge, or in in other words, um, maybe maybe the facts are known, but they're not. Uh, well appreciated or they're dismissed by uh, by people, et cetera, et cetera. So I it, it may be that, uh, you know, once you put all these elements together in a, you know, witch's brew of data, you can uh, predict what folks will do, whether it's terrorism or, uh, you know, sexual assault. But I also think that there are possible mitigating factors that go ahead of the concept of pre-crime, which is, you know, the, um, uh, you know, these events are, uh, you know, inevitable. So, so we've got to head them off at the pass and, and who knows what particular technique will be used to head it off at the pass to tie this back to our, you know, discussion of the Chinese, you know, new Chinese software endeavor that we started with. I think that, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be testing this software tool out, uh, specifically in in territories where uh, ethnic minorities are opposed to Chinese rule, so uh, whether it's in uh, Xinjiang or or Tibet, right? So there's the opposite uh, example of you know the counterexample to your uh, uh, one of of uh, uh, women in college, which is here's here's a minority in Tibet, say uh, that is 
you know, resisting Chinese rule, but, you know, under the uh, authoritarian regime, that's seen as terrorism, right? So you have a minority where uh, the so-called pre-crime software will be used to identify whether people are going to commit terrorist acts and then, uh, you know, who knows what arrest them. Uh, it's unclear what what the output will be. So I think it's a double-edged sword. And, and um, you know, I, I appreciate that what you've laid out so far, but um, I think that it's a multifaceted uh, sort of aspect there. I don't know what your uh, reaction is. Yeah, I mean, I think these things are going to be addressed. The question is just how, right? I mean, I think that, quote unquote, pre-crime is part of it, um, is one of the potential paths. But at the end of the day, it's social engineering, right? I mean, again, we don't know well enough what the cause is, but um, and these things are going to sound like crazy, you know, sci-fi, but I think decades from now, we're going to be considering things like, you know, are we controlling the hormones of men so their testosterone can never go above a certain level? Um, you know, there may be pills or injections or something that's happening to control the, um, to control the chemicals within us because those chemicals control how we act and control the things that we do. I mean, I, I, I like to focus on a sexual violence because it's so common. It's so common. And, and the, the people who are um, committing it aren't people who you can see walking down the street who are frothing at the mouth and look like they're, they're crazy. I mean, they're people who we know they're people who seem like normal people, but they, in, in different contexts and different ways and for different reasons, they manifest horribly malignant and destructive behavior on other individuals um, again and again and again and again and again. And so, I, I do believe that there are there are aspects, particularly in this the male um, male violence in in sort of traditional aggressive male things that are going to reach the point that they are no longer considered socially acceptable, and that we will um, uh, legislate. I don't even know. I, I guess it would probably go through a legislative process, but I think we'll essentially legislate them, um, maybe not out of existence, but try and legislate around them to to control how part of our species behaves. And whether that's pre-crime, whether it's, um, you know, hormone uh, control, whether it's something even more, uh, if you can believe it, if it's even more um, seemingly a dystopic uh, uh, in nature, I think those things are going to happen. Because the fact is, if if you go if you go above humanity and you look at it in some objective way and you say, you know, for one of these two genders, this super high percentage is being abused by the other one in ways that, that um, can fundamentally shatter their sense of self and the rest of their lives, that ain't acceptable. It's not acceptable. And up to now, it, it, we haven't been able to see it. We haven't been able to understand it. We haven't been able to control it. But science is moving so fast that we're going to understand the human animal very well. We're going to grok what it is that results in that stuff happening, the combination of physiology, psychology, sociology, the whole nine yards, and, and we're going to be able to control it. And that control is going to look invasive and intrusive and like something out of a science fiction movie. But is it better to put those controls on to protect the half of the people who are being imposed upon and violated, um, to me, it's a no-brainer. It's just a question of what does that look like when the time comes. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's the same uh, style of thinking that uh, ended up with uh, Alan Turing getting his hormonal therapy 
Uh, uh, no, you know, it's or, not. Absolutely You don't not. think so? No way. No? No. I mean, the, Alan Turing, no way. What was done to him was done because people feared who he was as a person that wasn't hurting or impacting others in any way, shape, or form. What we're talking about here is that one half of our population is um, is is predisposed to, to um, troubling degrees to harm and impose themselves upon both their gender but also the other in, in ways that are Stone Age behaviors. They're not consistent with our... Um, our rational libertarian understanding of the human animal of the self and of how we as a species need to all live together. Yeah. I, I just see some, some parallels with the idea that there is a, you know, an authority that knows best, right. An authority that has, um, we already, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the mindset with, you know, and it, during the end of World War II, there was plenty of uh, plenty of scientific thinking, and the the culture of the day said that Alan Turing was a deviant, and that ne- he needed to be controlled, and that he was um, sort of uh, altering uh, society by his behavior and was detrimental to society. So I I do see that the um, the not you know the things that we think we know today or the things that get baked into these pre-crime algorithms or uh, what have you, um, they may not seem so enlightened, you know, looking back on it 40 years later. So I think it's dangerous to, um, you know, provide these tools uh, that can say, oh, well, you're going to end up doing this certain thing, so we're going to prescribe whatever treatment regimen it is, uh, whether it's, you know, for... Uh, terrorist, violent behavior, uh, sexual misconduct, if if you haven't done it, right? I just, yeah, I, I think that's dangerous. It's already happening, right? So the, the, the society already allows for those things. They're just not, they're just physical things. They're not science things. I mean, if I stand up and come across the table and punch you in the face, mm-hmm. and if there's a video camera that is capturing that act, and if you call the police, and if the tape is there and we go to court, yada, 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 I'm in jail, or mm-hmm. I'm paying a fine, or there's something that the society is imposing upon me because I did that. The society has already decided that certain degrees of behavior need to be controlled. And if I am likely to do certain types of behavior, I will be imprisoned to make sure that I don't do those types of behavior. And my thesis is, as we understand the human animal better, we'll take a much more sophisticated look at it. And it won't just be, oh, this person, we've already let this person burgle eight people, so now we're going to put him in jail longer because he's more of a risk. Mm -hmm. We don't need to wait until crime after crime after crime after crime has been perpetrated. And I'm not talking about something that is... um, you know, universal and and heavy-handed. I'm talking about just being smart about it. I mean, let's. Is it okay that all these women are being assaulted? I say absolutely not. And so that's the starting point. And you say, what can we do? What's the gap? How can we close this gap and protect people? What does that look like? And right now, you and I are still pretty ignorant about what is this alchemy that comes together that leads to. Um, young men, and it's disproportionately young men, raping and beating and killing and whatever whatever the different things are, mm-hmm. other people. But that that's going to be figured out at some point in a, in a very sophisticated way. 
And once we have that data, what do we what do we do with it? And I think we would be um, I think we would be irresponsible and primitive not to do something with it. I I, I think what I mean I really I, I really am troubled by how women are treated in the culture in a in a holistic way, but particularly when it comes to sexual violence because it's mm-hmm. um, it has such a big impact. On, on, on their lives. I mean, there's women who the rest of their lives, um, for, for some women, can't have a healthy sexual relationship, can't trust other people. I mean, this is freaking devastating. And we're just going to let it happen despite having knowledge about these are the people who are likely to do it. These are the things, the, the, the factors that are potentially going to lead them to do it. I mean, look, I'm a man. I've never um, committed an act of sexual violence. I've never um, been... Uh, disposed to commit an act of, act of sexual violence. I have been in situations where I'm so sexually charged up um, that I don't have a lot of control over how I behave. Is it possible in different contexts that I may have found myself in a situation that was in reality or perceived by the other person as sexual violence? I would say yes, it's possible. Despite the fact I've never done it and never had a compulsion to do it. I've seen my body and my degree of self-control over myself in such ways that I can see the bridge there. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. I don't want to be put in that position. I don't want these chemicals that are firing in my body to result in me really hurting somebody in ways that are horribly detrimental to them and are possibly going to impact the rest of my life in negative ways as well. So to me, you know... For, for me, I would, I would proactively say, if you can tell me what are the things that could get me over the red line and how can I be um, brought within myself so that I don't go over that red line, I would sign up in a second. Because I want to be part of a harmonious whole with other people where we're all being actualized and being able to be our full and best selves. And, you know, the, the, I believe that the things that lead all of these men to commit these, these horrible acts are things that are, are chemical, are things that are happening that, that they don't have control over in the way traditionally people say, oh, you know, just, just control it. Just take, you know, I mean, I think, I, think it's, I think it's different than that. And I think we need to, I think we really need to look at it and think about it. Listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things that we're mentioning here in real time. Just head over to the digitallife.com, that's just one L in the digital life, and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody, so it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening, or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And of course, the whole show is brought to you by Involution Studios, which you can check out at GoInvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at D Niemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. Or email me, Dirk, at GoInvo.com. So that's it for episode 146 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time.